She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 238, High Performance Habits, part two. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Hi friends, thank you and welcome back to another episode of the She Did Her Way podcast. Today I am recording a solo cast and it has been a little while since I did a solo cast. In fact, it was part one of the High Performance Habits and today I'm covering the second half, part two of High Performance Habits along with a little extra something something at the end about sustaining success after the habits, and then understanding the number one thing according to Brendan Burchard, but I've also found this number one thing to be true in elevating your business and life as well. If you haven't checked out the first part of High Performance Habits, it is episode 226, and I will also be linking to it in today's show notes as well. So let's start and dive right into the remaining three high performance habits. The fourth one in this case is increasing productivity. And it's not about the hours you spend. It's about the harmony that you feel while you are using those hours and the output you are creating. And one of the things in the increasing productivity is really being mindful of increasing the outputs that matter. So nothing is less productive than to make more efficient what should not be done at all and taking inventory of the things that you are producing, the things that you are doing on a daily, weekly basis, even an hour basis, and asking yourself, does this even matter or how it is, how is it impacting my overall business when it comes to being productive? And Brendan Burchard calls it prolific quality outputs, PQO. Prolific quality outputs is figuring out what you are supposed to produce and learning the priorities in the creation, the quality, and the frequency of that output. It is one of the greatest breakthroughs you can have in your career and your business. So one of the questions you can ask yourself is is asking, what are the outputs that matter most to me in my business? Or you can also ask some of the things I could stop doing so I can focus more on my prolific quality outputs are blank. And then I also identifying the percentage amount of your time that you spend weekly on your PQOs. So again, the three questions is asking yourself, what are the outputs that matter most to me in my career? Number one. Number two, identify some of the things that you can stop doing so you can focus more on the PQO. And then three, identify the percentage of the amount of time you spend on a weekly basis that you either currently now allocate to your PQO or that you want to do in the future. So for example, my my prolific quality outputs should be most focused around creating content, creating content that is the right fit and the right content for you guys as listeners, but also blog readers and the content that I'm producing, because that is what is going to help bring people back to find value in the content I'm producing. So my time most effectively and the quality of the output is focused on creating the content. So what is your PQO? 
And what are you currently spending time on that maybe you don't necessarily need to be or that is not impacting your quality output? And then identify the amount of time you are spending on it and then um, make a goal for how much time you do want to be spending on it. And then the next part of the increasing productivity is charting your next five moves. So if there are only five major moves you can make to accomplish a goal that you have set out to be productive is what would those next five major moves be breaking it down into those five major moves so that we don't get overwhelmed and it's a very clear crystal path on accomplishing that goal and just charting out the next five major moves and then the last part is get insanely good at key skills understanding what are the key skills that go back into that PQO that really help increase that prolific quality output again for me my skill might be marketing it might be um learning how to write better copies so I can better explain my thoughts so that people can better relate to it. But for everyone's business, it's going to be different. So understanding what is your key skill that you want to and your business needs you to get better at. Number five is develop influence. And up until this point, we talked a lot about the high performance habits and those, the ones that we've talked about have been under our direct control, such as seeking clarity, generating our energy, understanding necessity, choosing and deciding our increasing productivity. What does that PQO look like? But when we think about developing influence, this is a habit that then involves other people outside of ourselves. To keep a broad perspective on this topic, let's define having influence as the ability to shape other people's beliefs and behaviors as you desire. So it means you can get people to believe in you or your ideas, buy from you, follow you, and take actions that you request of them. And of course, influence is a two-way street, but more and more researchers are coming to understand just how much control you have over others' perspectives and perceptions of you and ultimately how much you influence you will have with them. Also, it turns out that no matter your personality, you can develop more influence in the world than you probably imagine. And one reason people struggle to gain influence in their personal and professional lives is that they simply don't ask for what they want. This is in part because people drastically underestimate the willingness of others to engage and to help. So several replicated studies show that people tend to say yes over three times as often as people thought they would. This means that people are terrible at predicting whether someone will agree to any given request. Another reason people fail to ask is because they think the other person will judge them harshly. But it turns out that here too, people are lousy fortune tellers. Studies show that people overestimate how often or to what degree others will judge them. And this is something that I even... I've talked about another solo cast and something that I have to talk myself through when I go through something. If I want to, what happens usually is... This is what usually plays out. If we have a request that we want to ask someone something, we run through scenarios in our mind and it usually ends up being that, oh, that person will probably say no, that person's going to think X, Y, and Z of me. And we talk ourselves out of even asking the question in the first place and don't even get to the point of, we don't get to know the outcome of that conversation because we don't even get there. And what this part of developing influence is showing and demonstrating that high performers don't 
don't shy away from asking because they assume best case scenario and they assume that other people want to help them. And I challenge all of us and I challenge you to think about where are times in your business or even in life that you have not that you have held yourself back from asking a question for fear of that outcome and fear of that answer and then backing into it and realizing that you don't get what you don't ask for and if you're not attached to the outcome and the answer of what that person tells you then you have nothing to fear and also just in general conversation or asking someone for something isn't just about making requests to get what you want if you seek greater influence with other people learn to ask them a tremendous number of questions that elicit what they think feel want need and aspire to and great leaders ask a lot of questions remember that people support what they create and when people get to contribute to ideas they have mental skin in the game they want to back the ideas they help shaped and they feel that they're part of the process, not a cog or some faceless minion. It's universally agreed that leaders who ask questions and get those around them to brainstorm the path ahead are more effective than dictator leaders who just push their demands and requests onto others. I know one thing that I struggled with in the beginning is moving into still developing the influence, but thinking about as a new achiever, we often worry about the specter of quote unquote giving burnout. So giving so much that it becomes stressful or exhausting. But that's not the problem. The burnout is more of an issue of poor energy management and low clarity than of overgiving, which again goes back to the number one, the first high performance habits, which you can learn more in part one episode of that solo cast as well. Let's dive in a little bit deeper into develop influence. And the first piece that I want to point out under develop influence is helping and teaching people how to think. So he who influences the thought of his times influences the times that follow. Teaching people how to think usually begins with teaching people how to think about themselves, how you want them to think about other people and how you want to think about them at the world, how you want them to think about the world at large. It's not from a manipulative way. It's actually coming from a place of getting people to think differently about themselves and the world around them and expanding their perspective. So when you think about someone in your life who has really helped shape you and has helped helped influence you in a positive manner, then you can see the power and the influence that you have on the network and your tribe around you and challenging them to think in a different way and having them think about the world that they live in differently to see a more positive light and to help develop influence in that way. Part of developing influence is challenging others around you to grow. And even when I think back and look back to certain areas that I've where my life has been in the business the times that I was challenged by individual and coaches to a place that even though it was uncomfortable those are the moments and the learning moments that I remember the most and high performers challenge other people to grow in a couple of different ways so influencers challenge others in three realms first they challenge their character they challenge their connection and they challenge their contribution so from a 
part of challenging the character is challenging them, looking back, how do you feel you gave it your all? Are you bringing the best you can to this situation? Are you showing up as the best version of yourself? When it comes to connection, they challenge those around them to listen to one another more, to show each other more respect, to support each other more, to spend more time with each other. And then the last piece is the contribution piece. So challenging them to contribute more to the world around them and to show up as a leader. And the third piece under develop influence, which is we can always walk, we can always talk, we can talk all day long, right? We can talk, 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 say these things that we should do. But then the last piece is really role modeling the way. So example is Example is leadership and how can we be an example for those around us in our circle of influence and the people that we work with, if we're coaches or even people that follow us, how can we show up and be a leader to them? And there's just something magical that happens in our life when we let all the drama go and decide to ask how we can be role models again for other people. And one of my favorite quotes is by Zig Ziglar, who says that you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Now for the sixth and final high performance habit, it is demonstrate courage. I really, really enjoyed reading this chapter as I feel that even a lot of us can relate to it because part of demonstrating courage is honoring our struggle, sharing our truth and ambitions. And then the last part is finding someone to fight for other than ourself. Let's dive into honor the struggle. And if we're ever going to develop the strength that courage requires, we'll have to get better at dealing with life's basic challenges. We'll have to stop getting so annoyed and start seeing the struggle as part of growing our character. And for that, we must learn to honor the struggle. And I don't know about you guys, but anytime that I feel like I'm in the in the valley where or I'm in that room that I want to open up the door and get to the next room, but then find out I'm in another room and I need to open a door. Again, that's a metaphor. It's not real, but mentally sometimes we can get ourselves into that mindset and we just want to get out of what we would consider the struggle and move away from it. But oftentimes it's that struggle and the learning moments in that struggle that has helped shape what it is that we're doing today, how we're helping other people, how it's impacting our business. And so when we're in those moments of struggle, really honoring and acknowledging that the struggle is our contrast for showing us what we want and what we don't want in our life and in our business and being grateful for what is showing up in in our world and what is teaching what is what is teaching us in that in that moment what are we learning and be sure not to plant our roots in that space but acknowledge that contrast that is happening and always striving to move towards what we want to create and where we want to go honoring the journey doesn't mean you just take the adversity and roll with the punches doing nothing to improve this isn't about just being zen and accepting life as it comes without trying to exert your will when you're unhappy it just means that you adapt the mindset that facing hardship and trying to learn can bring the best from you accepting that difficult times will come allows you to wake with a sense of realism and readiness to anticipate problems and be prepared for them to maintain calm when the winds of change might topple lesser leaders 
And it is clear that to excel, we must teach ourselves to view struggle as a stepping stone to strength and high performance. That's part of the high performing mind, that struggle must be seen as part of the process and a vitally important part of any worthwhile endeavor. And the very decision to accept struggle draws courage from deep within us. The second piece of demonstrating courage is share your truth and ambitions. And this isn't always the easiest part because it, 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 sharing our truth and ambitions involves a, exposing ourselves or I get this visual thing in my mind about it's you're being naked in front of others and uh, allowing yourself to show up and being open to the criticism or thoughts of other people. And so when we can actually show up fully aligned in that moment and demonstrate that courage and share our truth and ambitions, that is the moment of being free and as well as a part of overcoming the doubters and moving past them. You need no permission beyond that tingling of hope that is in your soul. So don't let criticisms sway you from your convictions and what you're after in your life and in your business. One of the things that really stood out for me too in this chapter of demonstrating courage was when Brendan was talking about how many people wrote into him after reading the motivation manifesto and said that they weren't worried that other people judge them as insufficient. They were more worried that by being their best, they would make others feel insufficient. They were fearful of expressing their true ambitions, joy, and powers because the people around them could feel bad about themselves. And they felt that they had to minimize their dreams, keep their big ideas bottled up, dumb themselves down in conversations, tone it down, look down, all so others could feel good about themselves that they were around. I'm going to read to you what Brendan has written in his book about this topic. And he starts out and he says, do not dare play small, my friend. Do not feel guilty because you have high aims. Those dreams were seated in your soul for a reason and it is your duty to honor them. Do not hold back in life just to comfort or placate those around you. Holding back is not humility. It is lying. If the other people in your life do not know your true thoughts, feelings, needs, and dreams, do not blame them. It is your lack of voice or vulnerability or power, not their lack of understanding or ambition that is building the barricade to your potential. Share more and you'll have real relationships that can support you, energize you, lift you. Even if they don't support you or believe in you, at least you lived your life. At least you put it all on the table. At least you honored the hopes of your heart and the calling of your soul and your full expression lies your freedom. You, my friend, your next level of performance begins at the next level of your truth. So my dear friend, do not minimize yourself around others and know that by you expressing what has been laid on your soul and your truth is allowing for the right people to show up. And may may we all in our own path encounter haters or doubters and people who tell us that we're crazy and that is that goes it's just part of the journey and moving past that and knowing and staying rooted in the fact that we are living out our our souls desires and the passions that we bring to this life and no one can quiet you without your permission and no one can minimize your self image but you and no one can open you up and release your full power but you 
And the last piece of demonstrate courage is they've found that with high performers, high performers tend to have that one person outside of themselves that they fight for. And this one is really pretty straightforward because think of someone specifically that you will make everything worth it and someone outside of yourself that then encourages you and inspires you to show up every single day and make it through the complexity and find your courage to push through and to come out on top. So there you have it. You have the total six high performance habits. And now I want to dive into the part of the sustaining the success. So now we have our six high performance habits, but how do we sustain our success? And there are three specific traps and being aware of these three specific traps that can bottleneck or stunt your ability to achieve and be a high performer is what my friends will help us avoid them. And part of the overall theme of these traps is we allow ourselves to get to a place where we get so good that we forget what actually made us that good. And we go on autopilot. And I've shared in previous solo casts an experience that I had um, a handful of years, years back when I was on a vacation and I was whitewater rafting. We were going down this gully, but we were actually in individual rafts because the water level was so low versus the big rafts that you tend to think about or that you tend to think of when you think of whitewater rafting. And I was going down a, I was on a gully that was one of the top five gullies in the world for whitewater rafting. Okay, no big deal. Sure thing, right? Well, there were 10 drops or 10 rapids to go through over the entire gully and I had successfully made it through the first eight rapids that were category three category four and category five all different types of rapids category five by the way is the most intense level of a rapid and I had made it successfully without falling out through eight of them then it comes up to rapid number nine and at that point I had built up a very large amount of confidence in my ability to be able to make it through a rapid. Needless to say, I let the foot off the the gas and I allowed myself to sail through. Well, this rapid number nine had three different drops. And right after I go over the first drop, my ducky or my raft then folds up. I fall out. I'm in the rapids. Needless to say, I was freaking out because here you are in a very dangerous environment. I'm outside of my raft. I still have multiple other drops to go down. And I tell you what, I don't know anyone in the right mind that would want to go down a rapid, not in a raft. All of that to say is that I let my hubris get the best of me. I let my ego get in front of me and I forgot what made me so good. And what made me so good in the beginning and allowed me not to fall out of the raft was the fact that I was actually thinking about what I was doing and I was paying attention and I was really mindful of my behaviors and my habits and the things that I was doing to keep myself in the raft in the first place. And when we look at our business, one of the 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 traps uh, to, that we need to be aware of has a lot of them have to do with the ego and being mindful of what got us there in the first place. Not to say that we have to live there, but we just don't want to forget about those things and we want to be aware of them. And so the first trap is being aware of um, superiority. The roots of superiority always begin to grow in the soil of separateness and certainty. So it's in the moments when we think we begin to think that we are separate from others and certain things about other people and we create that separateness that 
you are there and I'm here versus us like a, a we. And because I, I really do believe when we create that that su- superiority and we think we're better than people, we lose leadership. We lose clarity. We lose that connectedness. We lose everything that it, that we just talked about in the high performance of habits or the six high performance habits. And so really being mindful of what is the dialogue that's happening in our brain And a way to to check in is, so here's how to know when superiority has infiltrated your mind. One, you think you are better than another person or group. Two, you're so amazingly good at what you do that you don't feel you need feedback, guidance, diverse viewpoints, or support. Three, you feel that you automatically deserve people's admiration or compliance because of who you are, what position you hold, or what you've accomplished. And four, the last one is you feel that people don't understand you. So all those fights and failures are surely not your fault. It's just that, quote unquote, they just can't appreciate your situation or the demands, obligations, and oppor- or opportunities you have to sort through daily. So those are mental thoughts and mental triggers to let you know if you're going down the path of superiority and separateness. Number two is be aware, uh, beware of dissatisfaction. So this is the trap. The The trap is never being satisfied by your work and those who are never satisfied are never at peace. They struggle to tune into their zone. The noise of being dissatisfied mind prevents them from finding a rhythm that makes them feel alive and effective. And if we can't sense satisfaction in the moment, then it is difficult to feel connected or grateful for the moment. And being satisfied does not mean settling. It simply means accepting and taking pleasure in what is, allowing yourself to feel contentment whether or not a thing is complete or quote unquote perfect. And the last one is beware of neglect. So according to the high performers um, that Brandon, Brandon has surveyed and studied, those who fail to maintain their success, overreaching was a problem that stemmed from their insatiable desire for more, coupled with an unrealistic sense of what is possible in a short time frame, which led to overcommitment. So in another words, it was an issue of going for too much, too fast, in too many directions. And let's just say I can definitely relate to this because I've shared with you guys before in the past, something that I've been working on is not being so knee-jerk reaction to saying yes to everything, but really taking a step back and making sure that I am making enough time and being clear on what are my goals and how does that align, which then feeds back into what we just talked about when it comes to something like creating enough time to focus on our prolific quality output. So again, the three traps, one, beware of um, superiority. Number two, beware of dissatisfaction. And number three, beware of neglect. So there you have it, friends, the six high performance habits. I hope you guys enjoyed this book review book series as much as I enjoyed putting it together and bringing it to life for you guys. If you want to learn more, be sure to check out today's show notes. You also can check out Brendan Burchard's website at brendan.com and you can learn more about his book. I highly recommend picking it up if you haven't already. It is a really, really great read that then level sets regardless of where you're at in your journey, on your journey of entrepreneurship and in life. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out sheditherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.